Welcome back for another episode of Lead with Purpose podcast with me, Shishin Yun, where we talk about purpose, marketing, mindset, and how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business. Welcome back to the Lead with Purpose podcast with me, your host, Shishin Young. In this podcast, we talk to purpose-driven entrepreneurs about their entrepreneurship journey, the lessons that they've learned along the way, and also other things that they find may be useful to you, my dear listeners. And today, we're going to be talking to Lucy Hawthorne, who is a facilitator, a campaigner at heart, and also the founder of Climate Play. So through play-based learning, or the so-called serious play, Lucy helps make it safe, light, and fun to talk about climate change issues, helping people to engage more deeply, more honestly, and also more creatively in a topic that many people rather run away from. So I am really excited to have you here, Lucy. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. You hear? It's, it's, it's funny to hear yourself being introduced, but um, uh, I quite like it. That sounds... Uh... <laughs> I'm interested for our conversation already. So I'm going to dive right in here. First of all, could you please explain to our listeners what Serious Play is and also how you got involved in Serious Play? Yes, absolutely. So Serious Play is, I guess, this strange way that I've found to use my life these days. Um, uh, And it's a a purpose uh, for me personally. But I think Serious Play is essentially play with a purpose So it's uh, playful methods and techniques that are used in order to help make progress on, you know, serious, apparently grown up stuff. So I use serious play in the context of um, environmental issues, because, um, as you said earlier, I try and make it safe, light and fun to people have conversations that they generally don't really want to have. Um, But I suppose serious play is it's a methodology or it's a series of different methodologies that help unlock creativity, communication, connection. And so you're taking all of the good bits about play um, and applying it to something. So play, play in itself is, you know, it's a real basic building block of life. It's It's about how we explore. It's fundamentally about how we learn. So if you look at any kind of child psychology or animal um, studies, you'll really see that play is the root of of really human development and communities and connection and things. So it's about how you can um, understand what you are really drawn to. So what you uh, what you find you are really drawn to doing where you're really immersed in something where you're really in flow and you don't really want to stop doing it. So that's kind of an innate play state. And so it's not stressful. It's it's somewhere that there's no really kind of set outcomes. And so you're just purely experimenting um, and exploring, really. So there's lots of different types of play. Um, maybe we'll get into that later. And how adults play might be different to kids. But so then serious play is, is really thinking about, well, how do you take some of those principles and attach it onto um, conversations or discussions of things that are needed to ultimately make the world um better than it is now <laughs> okay so uh, the tool that you use is a lego which is yes. behind you there um 
So can you just tell us a little bit? So Lucy and I, we met a few years ago when I was doing um, a program with um, School of Social Entrepreneurs and you were one of the facilitators. You were a very, very good facilitator. (laughs) So how did you transition from um, from that role into where you are now into playing with Lego as your just a full-time employee is that your full-time uh, employment is this what you do? yes pretty much yeah, yeah. yeah so how, how what was that journey can you tell us a little bit because that was a bit more serious in terms of facilitation and trying to uh, make an impact and then to serious play playing with Lego all day can you yes. tell us a little bit about that journey yeah, I can do. Um, it's worth just noting. So Lego Series Play is the main thing that I use, um, partly because it just works and it doesn't tend to freak people out because I always say it's got a low barrier for entry because people are very familiar with it because lots of people are a bit intimidated by play as adults because we've kind of been cultured out of playing. Um, so that's the main thing that I use. But I also um, I'm interested in playful mindsets and lots of other things as well. But um, in terms of how I how I got to this, it's a bit of a wiggly and playful process um, where I've kind of iterated and done lots of different things. As you said in um, your introduction to me, is that I'm a I'm a campaigner at heart, and I actually used to be a campaigner by background. So I used to work in the UK charity and NGO sector for many years, um, and then I shifted to becoming a facilitator because really what I'm fascinated in is psychology. I was always really most interested in what makes people change their minds, what shifts people's beliefs, what helps people engage and disengage. So I was always really interested in campaigning psychology. And that's kind of what I've taken into my facilitation work in in combining that understanding of psychology and also what helps people learn. Um, Because I just think learning is completely, totally fascinating. Um, And I guess the thing around how I've ended up focusing on play and Lego, well, Lego partly because it's the most famous serious play method. Um, So that's how I I came to that. But that um, through my years of uh, campaigning and iterating and doing lots of different freelance facilitation work, which is where we met, I just really kept getting a familiar story of people feeling Um, There's a lot of heaviness to social and environmental change for good reason. You know, there's a lot of injustice and inequity, but it's very heavy and that that heaviness can sometimes be demobilising for people. um, And actually it can kind of end up weirdly fueling apathy. um, And that fear has a massive, uh, it has a very helpful role in some ways, but it can be incapacitating. So really just over years have been deeply thinking about, well, how can you how can you engage people's hearts and minds more effectively? Um, and I'm not saying that you should always be playful at all, but there is a place for play in helping people to engage in topics that they generally don't really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this really nice quote by a play theorist called Brian Sutton Smith that he says, uh, the opposite of play, I'm going I'm to hopefully I've got the quote right, the opposite of play is not work, it's depression. And I think that is really the root of this work in terms of climate, because it's about saying, well, we need to counter depression, anxiety, demobilisation, stress to an extent in order to get people moving. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And so I'm just really fascinated by this weird binary of how we can deal with really super serious existential threat level stuff 
with at least a smirk on our faces um, because I really do believe that you can um, make significant positive progress and be well to an extent in the process. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the wiggly journey. Okay. So could you, I have done a, um, a session, a Lego play session before when I was at, um, did an event over at um, Cambridge University. And it was actually really fascinating. We were doing it with a group of uh, professionals in uh, really high up professionals. And we all got together to play Lego during this session. And um, it was a bit weird. <laughs> and strange <laughs> you know like there's um there's a high achieving ceos of some yeah, large corporates yeah. they're sitting around there just playing <laughs> but actually it's really really useful yeah. could you explain to our listeners if at all possible um in words how these sessions work yeah so the fundamental principle with lego serious play is that it's all based on metaphor because it's essentially a storytelling technique so you're not really building liter- literally building things you're building metaphorically so with whatever you build you're telling a story so your models might look like the same models that kids might build or you might build with your kids um, uh, but they're actually, um, they've got a lot of complex meaning built into them. So there's some basic principles with how Lego series play works, which is that each brick is a metaphor in itself. And so you can attribute whatever meaning is distinctive for you into each brick. And sometimes the models people build, sometimes build these, people build these mad, really creative uh, structures. And you think, where have you got that from? And sometimes people just do a couple of bricks um, and actually sometimes they're the most potent in the story they tell but then the other principles are that you think with your hands because it's a kinesthetic process and so um, you know you're using a different part of your brain you're trying to put your kind of cognitive um, thinky thinky brain to one side in a way and you're feeling your way through the meaning and then the other thing that's key about it is that the, the third principle is that you listen with your eyes and so it's a brilliant, brilliant technique to democratise the process because it's a listening exercise as well. So everybody does different builds and then everybody shares in different formations. So everybody kind of gets pretty much the same airtime, which if you know anything about power dynamics, and you, you know, you said you've got some big, uh, the big boss person, you know, it, it's a really amazing leveller. Um, that you you struggle with with other techniques so that you talk through your models and everybody hears the stories and then you might have some discussion about the themes and things that you found so there's lots of different ways of physically running the sessions um, and different kind of tasks that you would set people but essentially you give someone a question or a statement and they build their response and that that um, elicits a much I find it elicits a much more insightful and often more honest and emotional conversation than you would have by just sitting around and talking about things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's accessing a different kind of knowledge. And then in my context, in relation to, to climate change, the reason that that is so important is the honesty piece and the creativity that comes from it are really missing components in a lot of the discourse around climate because people feel incapacitated and overwhelmed and they also feel um 
uh, that like they don't want to be honest either with themselves or other people. So what you're trying to do is through this very disarming method, um, through metaphor and yep. a little bit of weirdness, is that <laughs> what what feels weird for a lot of people yeah. is you're trying to grease the wheels that wouldn't happen otherwise. So you mentioned uh, actually when you're talking about this. <laughs> All I want to do here whilst you're talking, I just play. want to get out and play. I'm really yeah. feeling sort of this. I should have sent you some this of excitement. I'm yeah. Sorry. I've got some here actually. Um, I, I, I just wish I had it here. I just want to play. Um, so you mentioned like innovation. Yeah. Um, and um, creativity obviously is a big part of this. Could you um, maybe explain or in your view why that is really important in trying to solve? difficult issues of course in not just in sustainability but in general yeah and I think actually um, I actually uh, listened to this really fascinating podcast the other day that maybe you can I'll, I'll share the link with you um, mm -hmm. by uh, it's an American psychologist I think he's a biological psychologist called um, it's called the Huberman Labs and he does these really interesting podcasts about brain science basically and one, he's, he did a podcast recently on play. And the thing that really struck me that what he was talking about is the, the, the play being the basic route to neuroplasticity. So without going full brain science on anybody, neuroplasticity is basically how adaptable, um, how adaptable your brain is and how you're able to take on new concepts and new ideas. So it's kind of how you allow your brain to expand. Um, anybody who knows more about brains will probably give you a much better explanation. But so play being the root um, of that, it means that play is a really important predecessor to creativity. So if play is kind of the unhooked, let's just tinker away and give things a go and see what happens without worrying about it. Creativity is perhaps um, applying that to uh, a question that you have. Um, and then innovation might well be, well, actually, how do you then develop, how do you pick the best ideas and develop that into new kind of systems and put them into, into place practically? So it's kind of a tiering of play to creativity to innovation. And I suppose the reason that the, the play steps and the creativity steps are really important is that at the innovation level, you could keep trying to do new things, but if you're constantly doing it within the same paradigm, within, within the same tools, within the same beliefs, the same mind, mindsets, you're going to limit the options of what you can do. And that's why, particularly in the context of climate and other pressing social issues, I think it, it might feel counterintuitive and even indulgent or risky to go back to basics and be like, right, let's just make some stuff up and see what happens. Um, because there's a real pressure and urgency to find solutions. But weirdly, actually, if you can kind of unhook some of the pressure, I quite firmly believe it, it can be quite amazing what you can create. Mm. Um, and then just finally, in the, in the context of climate, is that there's a real, you know, the origins of this work for me is that there's a real need to do things differently. So, yes, there is massive progress, even in the last you know, two, five years, the amount of attention that climate change is getting has just gone, you know, exponentially through and people have started rightly panicking a bit. Um, but some of the ways that we're engaging people are very effective and other ways aren't, you know, are we shifting government and business action fast enough? No. Are we changing enough minds? No. 
So actually, um, you know, I'm really interested in are there ways of helping people approach a problem um, in a different way? Yeah. So do you so you you've been in this space for what, 10 years? So do you think that in the last two to five years that um, it has escalated in terms of awareness in sustainability and the actions that we are taking? Or do you think it stayed fairly stable um, within the sustainability space and environmental change? But what have you seen through coaching and facilitation? Yeah. I mean, I guess to, I guess I can answer that in terms of what I've observed and also my own personal perspective, because I think the thing is there's so many different people. People are in such different positions and they've got such, such different beliefs. You know, you can ask somebody else and get a completely different answer. And that's part of the challenge. Mm-hmm. But I think what I would see is that, you know, climate change has has gone from being um, a topic for the lefty zealots. And I'm being slightly facetious and it's become more mainstream. And I think that's that's, you know, that you can't ignore that it's become normalized in you know media debate it's becoming more normalized in different forms of kind of um, media and things it's a it's something that people do understand and they know about whether they like it disagree with it believe it doesn't exist etc so I, I think that in the basic point is undeniable um i think that what is important is the way that people are engaging with it and again this is a very broad spectrum is that uh, there's a real risk of the climate conversation being quite polarizing so i always say in terms of my work and what i observed as a campaigner is that i became very good at scaring people into action i think um, and i think that this is a challenge it's a real it's not a critique but it is a real challenge because you know you're kind you're, you're trying to kind of get people to understand and learn about the reality um and and scare them for want of a better word into doing something and to understanding their own agency um but the challenge can be that you you almost kind of dare someone to do something they do the thing and then their nervous system just freaks out and they run away and hide again so you're kind of scaring people into into what can feel like quite minor changes but without actually fully digesting the big things and so you know you can you can say that whether someone says oh I'm not going to use my plastic bags anymore but then they carry on doing x y z or a company does something in terms of sustainability but their business model is fundamentally still highly problematic um so I think we've got this kind of polarizing um dimension to the debate uh, where we're not we're kind of catching people on the edges and we're not fully radically enough getting people and businesses and governments to, to fundamentally question ways of life and, and how that can be sustained on a, on a healthy planet. Mm. Um, and do I think Lego will help? I don't think it's going to fix, <laughs> don't think it's going to fix the whole thing. Um, but I'm interested in how to cultivate playfulness as a way to help unlock some new energy and to encourage a bit more radical thinking. Because it is quite different approach to campaigning. Yes, and and play is almost on the opposite side. In a way, I wish campaigners were less into um, scare tactics, as you described it, 
and more into creativity and creative play towards change. Now, I work a lot with young people just talking about play with you now. Maybe that is a good way to engage not just, you know, young people because they like to play and they they are a lot of them that I see that I work with they are scared of these topics and because it's overwhelming and it's depressing and it's sad and it is they don't want to face it and they rather just ignore it do you think maybe um this sort of serious play uh, methodology could be a way of engaging them more into these topics or how do you think that we could engage more young people to take active action yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I think you could exchange that the word young people with anybody. Yeah, because you know, I think it is. Uh, but I think I guess the, the thing with young people is that they um, it's their future. I mean, it's all of our future, but they have more future. Um, and the, the challenge of maintaining hope and belief and having agency over their, their lives to come is obviously of massive significance. I think the serious play, the Lego serious play methodology and any other serious play approach, they are all valid and all useful and just need to be adapted to whoever it is that you're um, that you're talking about. But when you were asking that question, it, it just made me come back to this thing about, well, what is play? And that play is ultimately, it's a very individual thing about you and your motivations. So when we're talking about climate psychology, it's really about how can you find a way to tap into each person's motivators? So there's different kinds of play. You know, you've got, um, there's this notion of play identities or personalities, right? So you could be who someone who's a kinesthete who really likes to move loads. You could be someone who likes telling stories. You could be like someone who, who likes exploring, which is definitely me. Like I'm an intellectual explorer and I like getting lost. You know, uh, there's people who like curating things or collecting things. Um, And I can, you know, I could talk about that endlessly. But the point is you need to find ways of tapping into each individual person's playfulness and what that means for them. Because when you can do that, they're more likely to get involved, stay involved and increase their involvement. So if I say if I take myself as an example, when I stopped campaigning, I partly stopped campaigning because I was tired, like lots of other people, and I was feeling really jaded. And actually, this work for me has been a bit of a salvation in that regard. And I've been able to maintain my sense of self and my moral conscience, because by finding playful ways for me to engage, so for me as an explorer, um, I'm able to keep working on climate um, and feel positive. So I think you've got to think about ways of tapping into each person's individual individual talents, motivation, what really sparks them up, what gives them joy, you know, mm-hmm. and give people space to experiment. So in the kind of startup world and these, you know, the way that we met through learning programs, I think there's loads of potential with young people to give them Um, give them a bit of free reign to just try stuff and learn and that's probably because they'll build their ownership in the process and hopefully find ways of doing it that's distinctively them um, they're more likely to to stay involved and whether that I think what can be difficult is that that sometimes can feel like it's not about climate it's about them as a person but ultimately we're humans right so we have to not always engage on the moral lens and sometimes engage on the on a very human 
connectedness of who we are and that's how you'll keep people involved in in climate that's my belief anyway I love that I mean I'm just I mentioned it before I just feel this sort of excitement for wanting to solve even this environmental issues just by talking about play and Mm. I think that's really interesting and really refreshing um, approach because we are it is a very heavy topic like you said and even when I go out and teach at schools it is it's hard to bring that playfulness or even smile during a presentation because it's issue and being able to bring in the play side to it and then actually tap into your kind of more unconscious creativity try to make sense to me so now if we want to um book one of your sessions yes whether personally do we have to uh be part of a a corporate or can we do it individually or how does it work yeah, so I'll tell you a bit about what's coming up then. Um, yeah. So you can, the main thing is that you can find me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, so if you just search for Lucy Hawthorne, you look for the woman with glasses and a lot of Lego behind her, that's me. Um, but I, you can also see my website, which is www.climateplay.org. So very literal, climateplay.org. Um, in terms of what's coming up this year, the next session I've got is on the 23rd of September. Uh, not September, 23rd of February, um, which I think is a Thursday morning. And that's for people working in climate education. So in any form, if you're working in schools, colleges, you're running education programmes or learning programmes in business, anything like that. I've got a Lego Serious Play uh, programme session for climate educators. Then in terms after that, as we get further into 2023, Um, I'm always open for working with companies and organisations. So I do a lot of kind of adapted sessions, but they they tend to revolve around how do we bring everybody together? How do we make climate change a whole organisational endeavour? How do we find play in in what we're doing? So there's a lot of work around helping companies um, congregate around, around the issue. And then also, fingers crossed, um, a play, a climate play conference or a large event with me and lots of other um, weird experimenters um, around summertime. So watch this space and come and play. That is really exciting. I love that. So uh, climateplay.org, that's where we book the sessions. Yeah, you'll be able to find me on there or you can just contact me on, on LinkedIn. And the, the sessions that you have on the 23rd of February, is that online or is it live? Yes. Sorry, I should have said um, that's actually online. Um, and so what happens is you have to book, I think it's a week or two before the session date so that I can send you a pack of returnable Lego in the post. So you get a pack of returnable Lego that you pay a deposit for. Um, and then when you return it back to me, you get your deposit back because it's a Lego circular economy. And I'd say 90% of the Lego I use is secondhand for very obvious reasons. Great. Fantastic. I can't wait to come. play. <laughs> so thank you so much, Lucy, for My taking pleasure. your time to explain to us what this is and get us, getting us excited about solving climate change issues through play. Um, so let's all book into these sessions on climateplay.org and uh, hopefully I'll see you there on the 23rd of February. That would be wonderful. And thanks very much. I enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Lucy. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, please follow the podcast. And remember, 
lead with purpose. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you would like more tips, ideas, and thoughts on how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business and also hear from other purpose-driven entrepreneurs about their journeys, please follow the podcast and remember, lead with purpose.